Boop. Okay. We're recording. We're back. Are you going to do the game that you planned for me for last time we were going to record or no? So my game was this really, really good idea where I um, asked you to guess where um, certain footballers were quarantining. But actually, when I um, was planning the game, what I realized was that actually it was a really boring one because obviously they'd all just gone home. And so, <laughs> like, <laughs> Ronaldo is in Portugal, um, you know, uh, yeah, they've all just yeah. gone home, basically. So, so kind of, kind of a, a, a simple game in exactly. many ways. If you're, if you're aware of the footballer's provenance, it becomes much more simple. Exactly. And you definitely are aware of the footballer's provenance. Was it for, was it at the beginning of lockdown when that footballer flew back to Russia to visit his teenage girlfriend? Was that? Was yes, that lockdown? That was because I remember we discussed it, but that feels like years ago. It doesn't even feel like the century. No. Was that in the last episode, do you think? Oh my god, maybe that was the last episode. Stay tuned, readers. There's a lost episode. But you'll never hear I, it. <laughs> I love when you refer to our listeners as readers. <laughs> You've actually done that more than once. Um, oh god <laughs> just in readers maybe when we bring out our affiliated magazine mm. um, or obviously when they're reading a, the credits on our video content um, 2020 the year of pivot to video absolutely look out September 2020 it's coming soon September 2020 Olivia is three weeks away oh Jesus Christ no that's hideous do you remember when May was like the furthest moment in time that you could imagine? Yes. And everyone was saying how it'll all be over by May. So the Premier League was back and so were we. And now the Premier League is gone, but we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good sum up of the past few months. Did you miss the Premier League? Oh yeah, no. I um, I I had a full breakdown, as you're aware, mm. um, during which time I found Jesus. And avid listeners of the pod will know that I have frequently described um, the football fan experience to to a religious experience. You know, the sense of community, uh, the singing in group voice, I think is very important, you know, much like a Taze chant, you Absolutely. know, like racist and homophobic <laughs> slurs being yelled by 40,000 people has the same kind of <laughs> uplifting spirit. And so... I had no idea that I was actually a religious fundamentalist and, and football going away really, really brought that out of me. It wasn't that I turned to a different sport. It was that I turned to a different religious experience. <laughs> <laughs> so you turn to a different deity. No longer does she worship at the feet of Kepa. It is the feet of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's very unfashionable to like Kepa these days. Everywhere I go, I get kind of, I get booed out of rooms for daring to suggest that he's just having an emotional moment and he'll return to form soon. Oh, I hope so. I think all he needs is a great psychotherapist and he'll be back to normal. So should we start should we start the show? I think so. I think we should start. Welcome back to Radio 110. We are delighted to welcome you back um 
much like the Premier League, we have risen from the ashes of our destruction, um, COVID-19, and we're back stronger than ever. (laughs) I think stronger than ever might potentially be um, a bit of an overstatement, but I love the positivity. Um, I do think that one of the many casualties of lockdown has been extreme memory loss. Um, Mm. And obviously we were saying to each other that the list of things we've forgotten is just endless. Offside roll? No. What the hell is that? Yeah, the haters were totally right. It just couldn't stick in in the head. Um, I I can't remember who plays for for any of the teams. There are people coming off the bench at Chelsea. I've never even heard of them. Um, Did you have um, any interaction with football whilst the Premier League was shut down? I enjoyed the almost daily articles in various newspapers about A, COVID idiots, B, about how footballers uh, needed to have their wages slashed and pay for their teams. Um, Yeah, so that was mainly my experience of football. I started following Ruben Loftus-Cheek, another firm favourite of ours um, on Instagram. So what about your Mbappe, Declan Rice fan fiction? Um, (laughs) Did that have to go on hold, your slash fiction? That's a real shame. I loved the the weekly installments that you would send through to me. Tomorrow, that was meant to be a secret. Oh, my God. It sounds like you've kept up to date with the news, which is pretty impressive because, I mean, you barely do it when there actually is news. So it's it's fabulous to hear that almost like a kind of opposite stay thing. When there was no football, you somehow became more informed about football, which is it's a pleasure for me to hear. Thank you. I think maybe because I have been using lockdown as a time to catch up because there was nothing new coming in. So I had the time to catch up on, you know, the last hundred years of footballing history. But don't ask me any questions about it because I <laughs> won't tell you. <laughs> because you're really modest. Um, I don't so like to show you're off, not. guys. Uh, yeah, no one could accuse you of showing off your football knowledge, <laughs> and that's why we're friends. I have something else recent to add to your media diet, which mm. is actually it came out today, and I watched most of it on my lunch break. A documentary on Netflix about Nicolas Anelka, who was a French football player and former Chelsea player. He actually played for just about everyone in the space of sort of around eight years. Um, Now you've got a blank look on your face, but may I remind you that in 2018, we spoke at length about Nicholas and (laughs) (laughs) because Because he was the one involved in no shit, the Anelka affair, which was at the 2010 World Cup when the French team went on strike oh. and didn't train. Do you remember this? I can add, I can actually, what I'll do is I'll go through and I'll add the episode where we talk about it to to the episode notes for this work of art. Excellent. And um, But yeah, he, he is like a fascinating super controversial figure who has sort of Kareem Benzema's luck for managing to end up in everyone's bad books despite <laughs> despite allegedly doing nothing wrong um <laughs> and obviously I'm a big fan because he was a Chelsea player but I was reminded of um he was actually the player who missed the penalty that lost us the Champions League when we were in the sem- we're in the semi-final, we were in the final against Manchester United in Moscow. But I had very tender feelings towards him because he was at um, he was at Chelsea when the strike happened because um, he was there two thousand and eight to two thousand and ten, and it was just it's a really interesting documentary. He's like 
I don't know. He's defensive, which is so interesting because, like, I feel like when you're the subject of a documentary, like the singular subject of a documentary, you've allowed for so much access. Mm. Um, so it's, I don't know. I think he was open to the extent that he could be open, but I think he just does not have a capacity for, for openness in the same way that, like people who who like run very hot do, um, but he he seemed likable. His wife is a total fox. Um, but something I thought was really interesting was he was talking about the incident, and he was he was in the match when Thierry Henry was playing in the World Cup qualifier mm-hmm. against Republic of Ireland. Um, in 2009, uh, your people, famously. My people. Um, and basically he um, he scores a goal and it's a handball. Uh, it's like the product of a handball. And they're talking about all of the, you know, very cliche media furore. Right. Around this handball and everyone, you know, decrying him as the worst person, you know, who ever walked the earth. All that. <laughs> um and Nicholas Nelka is like, oh, we expected that from like the world's media, but then from, you know, from France, we thought that that they would just, you know, they would be the ones to to accept us and to forgive us, but they just acted like we were, you know, the most terrible people in the world, and that Thierry Henry was was uh, he'd done the most atrocious thing and I thought that was so interesting because it's just like that reminder of France's kind of national culture of public forgiveness Ooh. and the Zidane thing and that is like years after the Zidane thing how many years three years after Zidane had but so like of course they think that if you're a beloved public figure you're able to make mistakes because the nation kind of has a tenderness towards its own that that is kind of like all accepting because it accepted Zidane basically called him a national hero um <laughs> after he went you know temple first into Matarazzi's chest too right um and so that he was shocked by it I found so interesting I'm just like there's no way that you would ever hear someone talking that way about like the English press or the general public because I mean we're like ultimate tall poppy syndrome no interest in defending people (laughs) with good or bad behavior I mean I'm pretty sure Captain Tom Moore could headbutt Matteo Matarazzi but (laughs) Captain Tom Moore oh I'm sorry I'm so sorry (laughs) Tom Moore thank you very much he has been knighted missus um I think that's right because there seems to be a kind of collective forgiveness in France but it's fickle. I think it's you can never really tell if the wind is going to change mm. and and how people are going to react. Whereas I think in the UK you're pretty much guaranteed for everyone to hate you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at least we've got, you know, continuity on our side. But that's really interesting. And interesting that he is so defensive and that clearly this was him being, he's been defensive sort of all his life or like all throughout his football career. And it wasn't just because of this documentary that he felt he had to, during it, you know, be a oh definitely definitely like no spoiler alert obviously but um but like from from the age of 16 he's involved in controversial moves and particularly at 16 there's no you you know objectively looking at what happened which was him signing for Arsenal rather than staying at PSG who had trained him Mm. and that was very kind of seen as as not the rules and disrespectful but because of you know european freedom of movement for players 
Um, and this thing called the the Bosman ruling, which I don't even have the patience to go into because I understand it, but I also barely understand it. So actually, it wasn't illegal. He was able to do it. And if you're 16, you just want to play football and you'd rather play it in the Premier League. Um, yeah. So it's not even that big a deal, but it becomes like a, a lightning rod for people to have opinions. And I think from then... He has an enormous amount of self-belief, which this French journalist is like, genius is always accompanied by unassailable self-belief. You know, Van Gogh. I was like, Van Gogh is like (laughs) the worst example. He was mentally deranged, but fundamentally had like no (laughs) self-worth, no self-belief. Like, anyway, whatever, French people. (laughs) And so he was he was someone with an understanding that he was super talented and, you know, that kind of connected arrogance. But, you know, that's like everyone. But I think he mm. just got super defensive after like as a teenager being yeah. decried by like all of these massive organizations, the French Football Federation and PSG and whatever, all being like, this is massively controversial. This is disloyal. So. Oh, God. Poor him. Okay, so I recommend Anelka. It's very good. Mm-hmm. But let's not bury the lead because today is a special day. Or should I say tonight is a special night. Tonight is the night that we are presenting the Radio 110 End of Season Awards. Woo! Um, the 2019-2020 season, I would say, I give it a 5 out of 10. I think that's generous, Tamara. But ultimately, we must review it because we are chroniclers of our time. We are. I would say I would give it a three and a half because I think the football that was played mm-hmm. was very good. And you're giving it a three and a half? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very difficult woman to please, Tamara, as well you Ain't know. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the goddamn truth? So, Tamara, I would like to ask you to give your nomination for the biggest COVID idiot of the season. Obviously, we had to keep things topical. So, you know, a nod to coronavirus. I'm sure this won't be the only time that coronavirus is uh, is referenced on this most auspicious night in football. A lot of choices. A lot yeah. of choices. I have a bit of a short list. You know, nice. I, I think it was impressive that Luka Jovic of Real Madrid and more famously of the father of Sofia Melos's unborn child goes back to Serbia and breaks quarantine and is threatened with um, being arrested and thrown in jail. I think that's hilarious because, no, he didn't do anything that exciting. But yes... He was almost punished isn't it? in kind of an outsized way. And then another big one for me was Deli Alley and his racially insensitive Instagram video. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, it was a it was a Snapchat post because magically it's 2015. <laughs> yeah, so Deli Alley was eventually charged by the FA a 50 grand fine and a one-match ban in his racist video mocking an Asian man in reference to coronavirus. I think oh. I think that's, um, you know, the reason why this didn't win for me is because it's hard to call that idiotic as opposed to just absolutely fucking awful. Yeah, just fully racist. <laughs> that's why it's not my number one pick. My number one pick is a kind of a lesser known COVID yet. Oh. My Radio 110 biggest Covidiot award goes to Heiko Herlich, who is the Augsburg head coach. Mm -hmm. Augsburg is one of the clubs in the Bundesliga. And he had to miss his first game back as head coach against Wolfsburg because he broke quarantine to go and buy toothpaste. Now, that doesn't sound particularly outlandish. That that kind of sounds like, you know, a, a desperate man looking for kind of oral health. However, he was staying 
in a team hotel. And obviously, what do hotels have? Tiny little mini toothpastes. Number two, what do hotels have? Hotels have concierges who can go out and buy you toothpaste. Which makes me think, he has done something so repulsive, so beyond the boundaries of good taste, so incredibly illegal, that they have had to lie and say that he was out doing something as innocuous as buying toothpaste, even though it makes no sense after being locked up for three months with no football knowing that you're going to miss your first match back if you leave the hotel. So uh, for that reason, Herlick is my co-vidiot. He's your co-vidiot. I think that's a very worthy winner. And I think you're right. Because I'm sorry, that's not a good enough reason. You wouldn't break quarantine for toothpaste. You'd it break, makes no sense. You'd break quarantine to have an affair. Or... You'd break quarantine to, to be in a sex party with your, with your close friend. Exactly. Like you and me. Like, like you and me. <laughs> and like, like my pick for Biggest Covidiot, for me, it has to be Kyle Walker and his three hour oh. sex party. <laughs> He's just, I mean, a three hour sex party is not even that long. Like, I'm, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what exercise have you been doing in quarantine? <laughs> I don't, I, that is, that's long enough by about two and a half hours. So, <laughs> Moving on. I feel like I'm playing a sitcom character whenever I talk about sex. Okay. Our next award is the award for most ludicrous endorsement. And famously, as any hater will tell you, footballers love money. And in today's world of, you know, peer-to-peer marketing, there's nothing stronger than a footballer's endorsement. So, Liv, who is your winner of Most Ludicrous Endorsement 2019-2020? So, I have a clear, clear winner for this. And it is none other than one of the footballers I think you you hate the most. It is Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Before you get to the endorsement, you you are wrong. I have no particular feelings about Ga- Gavin Bale. Yeah. About Gareth Bale. He looks a bit stretched. Mm-hmm. He's not my favorite. He does amuse me. He's not he's not on my shit list. But please okay. tell me tell me why he's your most ludicrous endorsement. So he has two ludicrous endorsements, you know, along with the requisite Adidas endorsement. So he is the spokesperson for Simba Sleep, which is apparently the best mattress in the world. <laughs> and he loves Simba Sleep. Um <laughs> and- that and that would be funny enough, but then his other endorsement is a thing called Auto Vivendi, which is basically where you pay thousands of pounds, like 30 grand, every month, and you get to drive a different car every month. Now, he endorsed this <laughs> until about a year ago when he had a very very bad hamstring injury and he blamed it on auto vivendi and the fact that these fast cars were giving his hamstrings problems so he stepped away from that deal and he's still doing everything for simba sleep though so do not worry about that um, so Gareth Bale has form and is ridiculous. I wonder if he asks for sort of Simba sleep padding on the Real Madrid bench, which is <laughs> where he spends most of his time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you. So really contractually, it goes Simba sleep, golf, Wales, Madrid in that order. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. He is one man who does not love Zidane as much as we do. I don't think he's seen him in his white swimming trunks. <laughs> <laughs> what was the pity? So I, you know, there are a lot of ludicrous endorsements out there. One of the ones that initially came to mind, Christian Pulisic, is um, he's a spokesperson for Chipotle. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> obviously... He doesn't eat Chipotle because he 
he is a world-class athlete. There's, you know, scratch the surface of Instagram and there is a footballer. Oh my God, Chelsea just signed a deal with Cadbury. What? If if you think Marina Granovskaya has ever even been in the same room as a Cadbury bar, you're, I don't know what you're, what drugs you're on. There's no Um, way in hell. But my most ludicrous endorsement had to go to uh, Hector Bellerin um, (gasps) because whether he knows it or not, over uh, the period of the Premier League restart, he uh, he endorsed global warming. That's right. He is pro global warming, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It's because Hector Bellerin put up a post on Instagram pledging to plant 3,000 trees every time Arsenal won. Arsenal doesn't win. (laughs) Arsenal doesn't win any matches. There are no trees that Bellerin is planting. Um, So with that, he clearly wants us all to burn in hell in the next 20 years. He must be, you know, pro-fossil fuels and um, an all-around terrible person. And Yes, this was recorded after the FA Cup final, an event I am refusing to acknowledge. Mm, yes, of course. Yes. So I think I'm going to leave that there and not... <laughs> uh, not I'm not going to touch that with a barge pole. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations to, to Bellerin and to Gareth Bale. So Tamara, next up, what or who was your surprise of the season? Okay, this is kind of this is kind of bait because it's not that funny. It's actually kind of tragic. But my genuine surprise of the season was Jose Mourinho back at Tottenham. Back at Tottenham, back in London at Tottenham. The man is the most venal person in the entire world. He has no soul. It's why he's so attractive. Um, and obviously he doesn't have loyalty to Chelsea, a club that gave him tens of millions of pounds, but ultimately told him to fuck off. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if there's anyone he's going to, you know, have have loyalty to, Chelsea's not it. And yet it was a surprise for my little blue heart to see him walking through the streets of Belgravia, not literally, unfortunately, (laughs) in his purple Tottenham puffer, looking like the cat that got the cream. So yeah, that did surprise me. I don't know. I'm sure that the listeners will say I was very out of the loop, but I thought he was having too much fun on Sky Sports to... um, to do anything as tragic as take Tottenham to the heady heights of sixth place. <laughs> but I guess not. I guess not. So, yeah, that is my big surprise and my great tragedy. That was your... Oh, nice that he's back, though. Breathing the same air. Exactly. He's the stone's throw. Back in London. <laughs> and he's good value. He's good for a, he's good for a soundbite. He's good for a press conference. Sweet baby angel. Mm. What is your surprise of the season? You're going to hate this. Oh, good. My surprise of the season was the love for Arteta from Arsenal after they unfortunately won the FA Cup. I don't know what event you're referring to. (laughs) I shall simply leave it there. No. No, why don't you go on? (laughs) You've brought it up, haven't you? (laughs) I have indeed. Well, after a season where he was just kind of hated by management and several players, it was quite nice to see him praised and cheered on by fans at home. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know people. I didn't know people hated him. Yeah. Well. I don't I don't listen to North London <laughs> gossip. I mean um okay, so I'm cutting all of that. <laughs> Tamara, tell me who your perfect angel of the season was. I think you and I are going to have the same thing to say, mm-hmm. um, which is why the perfect angel award is also the most obvious award of this illustrious night. 
Um, and my perfect angel is obviously Marcus Rashford. Yes. Ancient sweetheart. Yeah, he's on the cover of September Vogue with Adua and looking an absolute piece. Goodness radiating from his paw in black oh. and white. His paw? His yeah, because he's a dog. Paws. <laughs> um, God damn it. Would he, you like to tell me? Tell tell me and tell the listeners why he's our perfect angel. Because he puts he put food back into the mouths of underprivileged kids. <laughs> <laughs> like a mother bird. He's the mother bird of England. He is. When the, we are his chicks. <laughs> when the government was rolling out a frankly fascist and draconian policy, Rashford said no. <gasps> oh, my, oh my God, I've just had the most incredible idea. You yeah. know how everyone hates Kepa? Yes. Should I DM him and say, could you try and publicize the children not getting bus passes <gasps> from September? My my cause celebrity jour because that could really swing it for him. People would love him for that. Oh my god, I'm going <gasps> to do that. I'm going to. I'll DM them all. I'll be like, do you want even a toenail's worth of the respect <laughs> that people have for Marcus Rashford? If so, give the children their bus passes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so feudal, begging. You know the untouchable wealthy national hero footballers for like to to save the people it's it's very distressing um that marcus rashford has to even be in a position where um he is lobbying the government (laughs) on behalf of children (laughs) it's so twisted exactly it's one of those things that and yet we needed rashford to be our shining beacon Rashford he didn't ask to be a shining beacon but that's why as a consolation prize he gets to be on the cover of Vogue magazine and he gets to take home our perfect angel award he does for our next one obviously um we are not yet a visual media um (laughs) I love when we have to describe things um good for one's you know critical thinking skills to have exactly so this next award is for the best and the worst outfits i have one contender for each i actually mentioned my contender for best outfit earlier i know you did baby because he's mine too oh of course he is i wonder if we're thinking of the same photo because my best outfit was a so this is obviously Ruben Loftus-Cheek. My favorite outfit of his was this dark blue Adidas set that he yeah, wore in a fruit and vegetable shop. I'm going on his Instagram. So it was like a dark blue, almost a, it wasn't a navy. It was slightly lighter than a navy. And it was a, a matching tracksuit set with a lovely chunky trainer oh my god so that if you want to know listeners what the color is it is the specific teal of a magpie's wing (laughs) fuck me up yeah do you need a moment no i can continue please continue to describe the outfit in in forensic detail So the material is not like a tracksuit material. It's sort of a slightly waterproof uh, material, you know, really good. For like a, exactly. Like a wind windbreaker would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dad, you've been camping. We get it. It would be really good for popping down to the shops in any weather. Um, I think it's very breathable. It's a, it's a good fabric. Um, he looks smoking hot and, um, he's wearing a pair of lovely, lovely chunky trainers and he's just kind of standing there next to the fruit, just thinking about what he's going to buy. And that was my best outfit. It really stayed with me. Thinking about what's in season. (laughs) 17 weeks ago, wasn't quite tomatoes. It was asparagus. Oh my God. I think the reason why we both chose Ruben Loftus-Cheek is... Because I think a lot of the, I have said before, I really like how footballers dress because it's usually in bad taste, which I find amusing and Mm. also more interesting and 
adorable than no taste and blandness. But I will say that most of the time, footballers, they wear the sort of like trend-led thing that I think if you don't have a particular vibe it's not even it's obviously not body type because they all have perfect bodies but like particular vibe or particular style or innate sense of style they the clothes are definitely wearing them like the they I don't know what how to describe it but like somehow it just doesn't suit most of them um a lot of the time and the reason why Ruben Loftus-Cheek is the most incredible um clothes horse is because he really wears the clothes like he looks so at ease in everything and in his Burberry advert oh. uh, much discussed he is wearing the most ridiculous geography teacher Paddington <laughs> bear kind of look he's got a college scarf around his neck he looks insane and he's next to Carla Bruni who I mean toe-to-toe with giants and he just looks so like he's supposed to be wearing the clothes which is ridiculous because whoever put um him in a duffel coat obviously you know has no respect for his form but he just he really wears clothes so well but I think the look that I've chosen is better Mm. which is kind of cheating because it was at the end of last season Oh. Like last season had just ended, so it technically was in limbo. It was in what Rachel would call the liminal space. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who styled him. I have a vague idea who styled him, um, but it's unverified. I think I would die to be to style footballers. I could not think of a more interesting job, and I love um, men's fashion. Mm. and someone else paying for it so that would be a dream job and this outfit is like a testament to good styling he's at Wimbledon and he's wearing a like very well cut but not fitted white t-shirt tucked into immaculately tailored dark blue suit trousers in like a lightweight summer fabric And over his shoulder, he has a royal blue, actually maybe softer than a royal blue, maybe like a Prussian blue, cable knit, long-sleeved jumper with a polo collar, but you can't really see it. The collar just sort of hangs down in a flap and it's slung over one shoulder. And it is, he has his hands in his pockets. It is incredible. It is why people get into styling. It's very it's very, very good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> our one listener just logged off. <laughs> Ruben, we love you. <laughs> anyway, that is my outfit of the century. I think if we're still on in a year's time, and because I have the blood oath from you, we will be. Um, exactly, there's no breaking that. Probably say, the, probably say the same thing. Do you have a I worst mean, outfit? I need you to take the reins on this one because I found it very difficult, Um, particularly when I realized, um, here's an Easter egg for the listeners, I realized that I had previously praised the outfits that I objectively thought were the worst on another (laughs) podcast. Um, So I'm going to plead the fifth and say, take it away. Tell me what you think the worst footballing outfit of 2019-2020 was. So mine was very, very recent and it is Deli Alley in Ibiza. Oof, is it the one where he's by the pool? Yeah. Oh, God. As many of you may be aware, Deli Alley is currently in um, Ibiza with a few other footballers, including James Madison. This absolutely disgusting outfit. I think I should start from the bottom. (laughs) Um, work your way up up. (laughs) he is wearing what appear to be bowling shoes that seem to have I don't know if they're like smooches on them but they're awful and they've got purple laces and they also look a bit like cars they're just very flat and bulky and gross he's now got a pair of white socks on which are pulled up to halfway up the calf. And so I actually don't mind the trunks so much. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> the trunks are, it appears to be some sort of beach scene on one leg, and I think it's floral on the other side, but either way, very garish, but, uh, but actually not the worst part. Next, he's got on a white t-shirt, which has some form of logo on the front or word, but we can't see it because he's making a hand gesture. Um, that makes it sound like he's doing a canal <laughs> or something. He's making an obscene hand he's gesture. a disgusting hand gesture. And he's wearing an army green baseball cap. Now, I'd like to focus on the tiny little vanity case. That <laughs> okay, that is a really good description. His crossbody vanity. <gasps> oh I know what it looks like. It looks like a tin of biscuits that you would take <gasps> to someone's house as a present. That's yes, what like. exactly that. And he's got it slung across one shoulder, and we can only imagine what's inside. It's a lovely baby pink color. He's also got a s- several interesting pieces of jewelry on. I quite like the gold necklace. No, it's because you've been hanging around with me for two That long. is true. I don't like the juxtaposition of the silver bracelet and the gold ring. I That's think tacky. It's, it That's is tacky. There it is. But he's got a lovely wide smile, which obviously is um, is the best best costume. <laughs> the, the best accessory. <laughs> the best accessory. The best accessory is a smile. That is um, true. And don't even get me started on on James Madison's outfit. I feel like I'd be here all day. So we're not even going to touch that. And listeners, if you'd like to see it, if your curiosity has been piqued, then do go on to Deli Ali's Instagram and have a scroll. Fantastic. But this is what I mean. It's like it's not a bad outfit, but because it's so aggressively trendy Mm. it looks kind of awkward yeah and i cannot envisage uh rubus loftus cheek having the same same problem i think we'd be saying you know fit god oh yeah absolutely over the course of these two seasons of our podcast we've had some pretty impressive rivalries tamara what is your best rivalry the biggest rivalry of the past season has not been a football-centric rivalry. It hasn't been, you know, Sooners, Pogba. It hasn't been keen to hear it. The biggest rivalry, Livy, was Vardy Rooney. It was. We are on the same page. And you know this, and our listeners know this, and we've obviously dedicated a lot of fantastic coverage. We don't need to go into that much more detail, but if you're okay with it, I want to just provide a little update. Please. A little update on where we are in the Vardy Rooney now litigation. (gasps) And... Which 26-year-old spent an entire morning reading through court documents published by Rebecca Vardy's lawyers? This 26-year-old. So I feel very confident that I could be asked to maybe be on the defense team, maybe take a sort of Robert Kardashian role in the court as a kind of, I was disbarred, but I'm here to support you kind of thing. So... (laughs) (laughs) That's how well-versed I am. But in June 2020, Vardy sues Rooney for defamation at the High Court, taking it out of the private sphere where mediation attempts by both parties were taking place and into the public sphere where we can all enjoy it on a live stream like I did with the Johnny Depp trial. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously in terms of the sort of Greek chorus of other wags. Mm-hmm. Um, allegedly, Fern Hawkins, fiancé of Harry Maguire, and Ruby May, who I told you has broken up with Deli Alley, but who's to say? They are in a big kind of wag England WhatsApp group that has been voicing concerns over what other confidential wag gossip could come out as collateral damage. (gasps) Um, Because obviously I was such a big follower, as I mentioned, of the Johnny Depp trial. Mm. And that really smeared everyone. There were people getting involved sort of anecdotally 
that just had their names absolutely dragged through the mud. And who's to say that Fern and Ruby May's <laughs> dirty laundry couldn't be, you know, exposed for all of England to see? Oh, God, I'm living for that moment. So the court case is planned for sometime in the autumn. I am really hoping that it does not um it isn't affected by lockdown because then I can go and watch it <gasps> and queue up at 3 a.m in the morning to be in the public gallery and watch Rebecca and Colleen just just go at it um full weight of the law full weight of the I object your honor um I am super 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 excited I'm still very, very much on Colleen's side. Okay, okay. I but... would recommend. I would recommend reading the Rebecca Vardy documents to all of our listeners mm. because whilst it doesn't exonerate her, it does just make you question the need for all of this to be public and I think there are certainly two more hours we could do about people's public and private choices for airing their grievances and yes I think Rebecca Vardy like we said before is someone and I'm surprised we weren't cited in the lawsuit actually because they named a load of media sites that had said defamatory things and I was like Where's Radio 110? Our profile could really do with some raising. If only we could get sued. (laughs) Um, I pray for that every day. I do think that it's not the most outlandish thing in the world to think that she might have exchanged stories for good press coverage of herself. Mm. But at the same time, does the revelation of that mean that she should get death threats and definitely horrible things said about her children and being stalked and having panic attacks and stuff like that and obviously you need to be responsible for your actions but you know you don't need the court of social media to hold you to account exactly Um, that's obviously shitty so it's terrible the world is terrible time for our last award (laughs) award. now would you like to present the award for best soundbite of the season Oh my god, it's an honor. <laughs> this was this was a pretty close run thing. So my runner up, um, <laughs> my my runner up was um, Granite Xhaka telling the Arsenal supporters to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> because that's obviously um, pertinent. Why he was persecuted for that, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> We can laugh. He's back in the fold now. Um, but obviously that was that was a real winner. I think that's an important soundbite that the Arsenal fans should be reminded of on a regular basis. Dear that, yeah. Okay, so actually my soundbite of the season. Um, this isn't the first trophy that this man has received this season. Jurgen Klopp, obviously Premier League winning manager, um, pin up to millennial and middle-aged women across the country. Um, He's a guy with a very strong philosophical stance. Um, And he, you know, he gives great post-match interviews, but sometimes, sometimes they go very lightly um, awry. Like when he blamed the wind for the reason why he drew goallessly um, in the Merseyside derby at the beginning of the year. So my sound, my <laughs> my notes, it just says Jurgen Klopp blames wind. Um, so he said, it was a very difficult game for different reasons. I know people don't like it when I say it, but the wind came from all different directions. The ball was in the air a lot. He's clearly forgotten he's not playing with a ping pong ball. Oh, my God. The reason why I like this so much is because he's hit upon something that is very personal to me when he said, I know people don't like it when I say say it. And this is because as someone who probably over-apologizes and is very keen to, like, 
get an excuse across. I've always been very frustrated when people say things like, oh, that's an excuse. It's like, yes, it's an excuse. The point of an excuse is to excuse (laughs) behavior. How dare you point out that I'm making an excuse when it's entirely valid and you're just trying to, to undercut me. And that is what he is trying to say. He is trying to say it sounds like an excuse, but it is. <laughs> he would have annihilated them on a still day. It would have been 15 mil if the ball hadn't been in the air. <laughs> in the air. Oh, my God. He's not playing bloody croquet. Jesus Christ. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's the sort of thing that someone who is about to be relegated would say. And he wasn't relegated. He won the Premier League, which is amazing because it shows you that even the most successful people can be brattish and obstinate and petty. I love petty. um, And I know you do too. I love petty. So that is why it's my soundbite of, of the season. I think that's I think that's a worthy winner. I very much am prepared to offer that to Jurgen Klopp. Well done to all of our winners, all of our nominees. And so Tamara, when shall we three meet again? And by three you, me, you, you me. me and Zencaster. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and the Premier League <laughs> me and the Premier will League. reunite when the season returns on the 12th of September. Well, um, indeed. Only a six week break, um, during which time Radio 110% is going to go on our holidays. Exactly. But we look forward to um, having you join us again uh, when the season opens again. When the season opens, and we <laughs> have cotillion living, it's not <laughs> the season. We're coming out, Debbie <laughs> <laughs> <Daddy> Tomble <laughs> in September. And we wish you a very, very happy and safe August, and hope that um, you are all well and uh, can join us again in six weeks' time. Nicely put. I will see you. I will see you next season, Liv. See you next season. Bye.